Hey, this is Adam with Mile High Stash, the podcast that asks what five albums you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse, armed only with food, water, and a crank-powered Victrola. Uh, fall is my favorite, and I don't really like summer or winter, spring. Uh, I like fall. And today, uh, I got to play drums for a boatload of people up in uh, Netherlands, uh, Colorado, up in the mountains, and, and had a great view of of the sky and the mountains and the aspens um, at Harvest Fest with uh, Rolling Harvest and also our good friend Clay Rose of Gasoline Lollipops uh, sat in. Uh, fall is also when I write the uh, descriptions of each nominee for the Colorado Sound Music Awards, um, which I'm really honored to get to do. And I thought I would have some of the winners on Mile High Stash, uh, starting with Lifetime Achievement Award winner Chris Kresge, also known as Chris K, and also known as Goat, um, the Grumpy Old Goat, to be more specific. Um, I've known Chris, today's guest, uh, for, I don't know, 12 years or so, and um, I was honored to write his bio for the Colorado Sound Awards and to have him on the show, too. Um, a goat is heading toward retirement right now, and it was great to get a chance to chat about his life and work and how much he hates Kiss. Uh, um, I hope you enjoy our chat, and I also hope you review Mile High Stash on Apple Podcasts sometime, if you have time. It, um, it really goes a long way along with any amount of money that you can donate at milehighstash.com or just at adamice9 on Venmo. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the other side of my chat with Chris Kay. Looking for a professional Boulder, Colorado catering company with an excellent reputation for service and food? Savory Cuisines Catering works to provide the very best catering services in the Boulder and Denver metro areas by consistently delivering superior service, extensive menus, and unforgettable events. They use only the freshest and most flavorful ingredients prepared and served by their experienced and professional staff, led by the one and only Bob Sargent. Your party, wedding, or corporate event will sparkle with Savory's wide array of appetizers, entrees, and desserts. With 20 years in business here in Boulder, with exceptional high-quality service, Savory is the ideal catering company for your next event. Head to savorycuisines.com for more info. How the hell are you? I'm doing all right, man. So Chris K, or Chris... Kresge. Kresge, I got it right. That's what I thought. Um, yeah. And then also, I initially knew you as a booker and an MC, and all the musicians around here know you as goat i didn't even know i didn't even know your name other than that so where did the grumpy old goat name come from i was in a band called alien cowboy in the 90s we toured great britain for five weeks i think it was in 1999 mm -hmm. um my late wife Miss Patty had just basically moved in with me. I came back from Great Britain. I was not a happy man. I did not like the tour. Uh, didn't like England. Um, I sat in my apartment. I was um, had a lot of Zoom gear from the company. Mm -hmm. And I just sat there for like two and three weeks and recorded guitar stuff, like just guitar instrumentals over drum tracks and what have you. And she took and made an album cover and took a goat's body and superimposed my face on it with the straw hat that I've always been accustomed to wearing. And the glasses she, too, right? Yeah, and the glasses. And mm -hmm. she said, the picky, grumpy old goat does wonderful instrumentals because I was being picky and grumpy. Mm -hmm. And I went to bed and she didn't know me well. She thought maybe I'd get very upset about the fact that she launched this thing up online. I woke up, I saw it, and I cracked the fuck up. I just cracked up. Yeah. 
And I said, can you take that idea and make me a logo, a caricature? Mm -hmm. And the picky, grumpy old goat stuck. Then I got my first venue Mm -hmm. and the kids started calling me that. Then the musicians started me calling me that because Patty instigated the entire thing. That's great. It helps that I'm in a, it helps that I'm a Capricorn. Well, you are really picky and you are really fucking grumpy and working with you. I mean, I probably worked with you for 10 years on various things. Maybe when I was in the Yoppers, maybe we worked with you at Oscar Blues too. I don't know. You did. Yeah. Yeah. But you are really picky and really grumpy. Oh yeah. Um, And when you like somebody, you really support the fuck out of them. Yeah. Um, and you know, some people are just picky and, and grumpy and selfish, you know, but that's that's not you. You just like what you like. And I respect the fact that if you're not interested in something, then like you don't you don't do that thing that some people or a lot of people in the entertainment industry do where they say, Oh yeah, I'll get back to you or yeah, we should do that sometime, but they don't really mean it. I respect the fact that you'd be like, no, I'm not going to work with you on that. I'm not interested. Right. It's great. Were you always like that? Yes. As um, a kid, were you grumpy and picky? No, I think that, um, I think I thought that was, that was an evolution in, yeah. inside of me. Um, I wrote, I started writing music reviews when I was in high school for the high school paper. Mm -hmm. And looking back at them now, I'm appalled at my level of writing. (laughs) Um, Somewhere along the way, when I got into radio and DJing in clubs and and being in bands and and really making it more of my life, um, I just developed this attitude that craft matters quality matters yeah um and as i you know as i as i grew i'm 68 almost 69 now um i i guess i took part of that grumpiness and applied it to my work ethic Mm -hmm. you know i'm writing a review right now for a new album that just came out today Mm -hmm. and and i'll tell you this is hilarious that we're on this subject let Mm -hmm. me see if i can get to it real quick the opening line is somewhere somehow i was reminded that a good critique starts off with something positive Hmm. the name of the album by the new release from this group is a hit and miss affair that's Hmm. as positive as i can get (laughs) (laughs) that's the opening line to the review well if you say hit and miss at least you're saying that there are some hits on it and some misses that's okay yeah you know yeah, and then I go through and, and break it down. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, yeah, I, I'm a little bit on the, I can be a little grumpy. That's okay, because you're honest. That's how I feel. I'm from Pittsburgh, and I'm, I have a hard time sometimes. Uh, when I lived in, in San Francisco, especially, there's a West Coast freeze that people talk about, you know, where somebody uh, doesn't really want to be your friend anymore, and when you happen to run into them, they say, oh, I can't wait to get together. Let's do this and that. And they don't really mean that. It's way better if you're just like, I'm really mad at you. Yeah. It's I don't want to talk to you. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. 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 Or I don't want to work with your project. I don't think, you know, I don't think it fits what, you know, mm-hmm. where my head is at. You know, you and I have had that conversation. You know, you and I have run into yeah. that situation with one of your projects. I, just I respected that so much. And I even told you why. <laughs> yeah, I, I respected that so much. And I can even say that right now. I started a band with a bunch of people from Colorado bands that are really well known. Yep. And we play songs by Neil Young and Bob Dylan. And when I started that band, just based on the reputation of the people in the band, we got a bunch of really good gigs. And it's been really fun. And you said, I don't like Bob Dylan or Neil Young. And I don't want to book right. that. And I was like, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. This is great. But you're in another project. I was like, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so let's now go. I'm going to get in trouble for not liking Bob Dylan. <laughs> That's <Neil> fine. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I don't like that other people like. That's fine. I feel you. Yeah. So 
you are receiving the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Colorado Sound. And um, it's the first ever Colorado Sound Lifetime um, Achievement Award. Um, I mean, it's a it's a big honor to be able to write the uh, kind of the bio of you for the award, you know, and, and then also talk with you about it. And um, I want to learn more about you and um, the listeners of Mile High Stash and the listeners of the Colorado Sound definitely want to learn more about you. I want to go all the way back to Los Angeles where you were born. And, um, you know, it says in what I wrote about you, it says born in Los Angeles and raised everywhere from Alaska to Pennsylvania. So were you an army brat or why did you move around so much? My father was an engineer at Guilfeld Missile Industries. He okay. was also an aspiring actor and he was a jazz musician who was who did reasonably well on the Catalina Island circuit in the 1950s hmm. when Guilfeld Missile Industries closed and he lost his job in 1958. He packed me and my younger brother who was born Eight, he's 18 months younger than me. And mm. then my youngest sister at the time, who was born in, I was born in 55. John was born in 56. Cindy was born in May of 57. In 1958, he put us in a car and drove to Alaska. Wow. You remember that trip? No, I was no. three years old. You were three. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Re I, I have a, a vague memory of this black Chevy sedan. Mm -hmm. That That's the really the only memory I have. And I have a vague memory of parts of the Alcan Highway, but I don't know if that was on the drive up or if it was on the drive down in 1965. Yeah. Do you feel robbed of like growing up in California in the 60s? No, I moved there to be in a band in 1981 yeah. and um, hated it so much that I only lasted five months. That's so you. That's That's perfect. That's great. Yeah. You're like, no, I hated it. It sucked. It just yeah. It sucked. Yeah. 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 I well, went on the road, actually. I actually yeah. went on the road. I left all my stuff in LA. My partner and I went on the road. We were, um, we worked for a company that did um, auctions for collectibles, oriental rugs, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And we made it to Hilton Head. In, I think that's in South Carolina. Yep. And I had a nervous breakdown and wound up, um, I wound up in um, recovery for quite a while after that. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then you said that in high school is when you got interested in voice and, and acting and things like that. And it helped you overcome a stutter. Yeah, actually, that was younger. Um, yeah. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, like I said, my dad was an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually owned he owned the first jazz nightclub in Anchorage, Alaska. Mm -hmm. I think that was right around 1962. And um, he was also an actor and he and his, he and my mom appeared in little theater at um, Elmendorf Air Force Base or Fort Richardson. I can't remember which one. Um, and they got me on stage when I was in first grade mm. as one of the younger sons in the play, Hendrick uh, Ibsen's An Enemy of the People. And that was my first. And my dad taught me some valuable lessons about that. He taught me how to do a stage whisper. He taught me how to project. Um, it was learning scripts and learning to read that cured my stuttering problem as a child. Mm -hmm. And over the years, um, as I grew as a, as a, as a kid, I uh, just kept reading out loud. Yeah. I, I read out loud. Uh, I was in plays. I was in bands. I was in choirs. I, you know, I, I participated in in things that meant that I had to talk and I eventually developed my, what we might call my radio voice. Yeah, yeah. And how did you transform your love of playing records at parties to, you know, an actual career on the radio? That was when I was stationed in Minot, North Dakota uh, in 19, from uh, December of 1973 to mid-April of 1975. I met a fellow by the name of Manuel Angela Cabrera Puerto Rican dude who was badass and he had Mannix um can't remember what it was called Mannix statewide disco or something to that effect and he played the airmen's clubs and, and NCO clubs 
And I remember I was at a um, airman's club one night. He was he was DJing. And I said, can I do that? He said, do you know how to operate a turntable? And I laughed. I said, sure. And so he was doing all the black dance hits, the soul, funk, R&B hits. And at the time, I was really into rock and roll. So I got up and started blasting, you know, current rock and roll from 1973, 74. And we formed this partnership. And then one night, we happened to go by an old AM radio station after one of our gigs at 2.30 in the morning. And the DJ wanted a break to go outside and smoke a joint. So I slipped in behind the mic. And that did it. I was, that was it. That was, that. I never, never turned back. That's great, man. I'm glad you didn't. And then went to broadcasting school in Denver. Yeah. After that. So you have been in Colorado off and on for how many years now? 50. 50. Yeah, since 1973. Yeah, moved here 1973. Yeah, mm -hmm. 50 years. I was stationed here for two months for tech school while I was in the uh, Air Force. From uh, I was here from September to December in 1973. Yeah. What was it like here back then? Smaller. Yeah. Less congested. No air pollution. Um, rough. You you didn't want to. Uh, you, it was just different. It was uh, it was it was uh, shit rolled up at six o'clock. Yeah. You know, there were there was no late night party. Uh, um it was a cow town yeah yeah and, and outside of denver forget it i mean denver was the nucleus outside of denver there there was nothing outside of denver yeah really you know boulder was just coming into its own mm. at, at that point you know in the early 70s you know but i wouldn't learn that story until decades later i had emma rose from big richard on my show uh six months ago or so. And I asked her this question. Um, if Emma Rose um, and Clay Rose um, and Charlie Rose uh, and Dango Rose had gotten a fight, <laughs> who would win? And she, she basically said, well, I don't think anyone from Elephant Revival would do <laughs> very well in a fight. Would do violence, yeah. No. So I, th I think Clay would win. And uh, so in 1973, um, what was the toughest band that would win in a fight if you know like there were gangs of bands zephyr zephyr yeah <laughs> not sugarloaf no if, if there was a, if there was an actual yeah no zephyr and and that was and that was figuring that jock bartley was in the band at that time yeah uh but candy gibbons oh she would have smoked those guys in sugarloaf I don't think all these bluegrass bands and, you know, Gregory Allen, Isakov, I like, I don't know if they would win like an outsiders type, you know, gang fight against. <laughs> Gregory. Yeah. <laughs> no. I love Gregory. Oh my God. I've been to his house. Uh, yeah. No, no, he would. No, no, no. no. These, these are the kind of people who would like, you know, just hold up their arms and go, okay, you win. Yeah. I'll just lay here and sweat. Yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't survive against zephyr no no i mean you know if you look at 1973 music in colorado um sure sugarloaf was big but if it, it if it came to brass knuckles and uh, a bar fight yeah. candy gibbons would have just smoked them all she was a badass i'm gonna have to check them out because i know i've listened to them a long time ago but i've, I've never taken a, a deep dive and, there, you know, it's a great history because they went through three of Colorado's most legendary guitarists. They started out with Tommy Bolin in the late yeah. 60s. Then he left and Jock Bartley joined for the Sunset Ride album. And I think that was in 1971 uh, before he joined up with Graham Parsons. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there was the third guitarist, Eddie Turner, who joined the band late 70s, uh, recorded the Heartbeat album that came out uh, a couple of years before Candy died. Hmm. Talk with me about something that we have in common is that uh, there's been a balance of being in the media and, and then also playing music. So how have you towed that line and 
It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard because on one hand, you've already, you already know me that I, I'm going to be blunt. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say things uh, I'm going, if I'm reviewing a band, which I've done live while I had my first venue, um, I'm going to tell you your bass player and your drummer don't work together and they're not playing the same song. I've, I've told a band that. Yeah. So as a performer, it's hard because it's hard to be a critic or to be able to levy a critique knowing that you're not perfect yourself and that you can and that you can certainly improve on your own craft. So there's that juxtaposition that there's that tension that I think both of us are very well acquainted with. Oh, yeah. Because on one hand, you want to be able to write a good critique. But on the other hand, you don't want it thrown back in your face that, well, you're not perfect either, Mr. Smarty Pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I so think I've been guilty. It's tough. Yeah. We've both been guilty of it as people in the media. Yeah. I would like to think that I am pretty self-deprecating and and know that my drumming in particular is, is, is not uh, stainless. Um, so it is, hard it was to... my voice. It was Your my voice. voice. That was my problem. Cause I didn't front my own project until I was in my mid forties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was actually told by a former band that I was in never to sing again. Wow. Well, that's a little harsh. It was harsh and warranted and it has never not been in my brain. And the <laughs> thing that they critiqued me on was that when I first started singing with a band, um in the in this particular band in the late 80s um i didn't know how to sing from my diaphragm Hmm. i was singing through all of my head tones and it didn't fit it didn't work and i didn't get rid of that problem until i was probably 45 years old and it was my late wife who said stop trying to sing for god's sakes i was like what she said tell the damn story would you please Hmm. just tell the story once I got there, mm-hmm. once I was at the point where I was like, I turned off the singing and turned on the storyteller, that thing changed for me. Yeah. You also have good banter on stage as well. I'm, I'm, I've been on stage since I was six years old. So yeah. it's, it's home for me. It's home for me. Yeah. Well, where is home going to be for you? I don't know yet. Uh, Grand Junction. We're moving to Grand Junction. Yeah. Um, we're not entirely sure. We were supposed to have already moved there this year, which hence the quote unquote retirement from uh, Northern Colorado Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't sold our home yet in Brighton. So we're taking a step back. Um, my partner, Claire, is going to London for a few weeks. And when she gets back, she's going to sit down and kind of reevaluate, you know, where she's at with the house and, and so forth. But yeah, we're moving to Grand Junction as soon as we can sell this place and, and uh, get a place we like over there. Grand Junction is super be- beautiful and close to Utah. And it's a half hour from Utah. Yeah, yeah. And they're starting to have, I think they're starting to have more music events and maybe you can pitch in on that too. Yeah, they've done a really good job. There's, um, if you break down the venues, they're their top line venues, a four thousand seat outdoor amphitheater, Las Colonias. Then they've got a thousand forty nine seat indoor uh, venue called the Avalon, which is how we fell in love with Grand Junction. We were mm-hmm. there last year to see the Mavericks at the Avalon, and we spent five days out there and just absolutely fell in love with it. And then they've got an eight hundred fifty cap venue called Mesa Theater right across the street from the Avalon. Uh, there's a 300 cap room in town. Uh, it's a, uh, a restaurant music venue that hosts primarily country uh, tribute and cover bands. And outside of that, there's nothing in that, the room size I pers- personally prefer, that 200 cap room, that 150 to 250 cap room. They don't have one of those. Uh, you step down from 300 down to 75 mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of small spaces. KAFM radio out there has what they call the radio room, which is a tidy little room, good room. And then there's a place called the Cavalcade over in Fruta. They're they're both small rooms, um, not food rooms. They're uh, Cavalcade's a BYOB room. 
Yeah. And um, uh, the radio room is uh, actually a pretty nice little freaking room, to be honest. Small room, good lines of sight. They serve beer and wine, uh, if I remember. Uh, but um, no, that's it for about music. But the God, the major promoter out there does a great job. We went out and saw Lyle Lovett's large band at the Avalon this year, and it wasn't mm-hmm. even sold out. And the dude played for three hours straight. He's amazing. I mean, it was He's it was great. remarkable to see. The year, two years before, we had seen him with Margot Price at Red Rocks. Like he's mm-hmm. one of our favorites. Um, so the Avalon is, is, and then I saw Big Head Todd there this summer uh, at uh, Las Colonias at the Avalon. They're gonna band. love you. In Grand Junction, goat. I don't know that I'm going to be a part of things. Mm. We'll see. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to keep the business open till April of, until uh, 2026. Uh, two reasons: one, the Colorado playlist started out as the Colorado Sound in April of 2020, uh, 2006. So right. 2026 is my 20th anniversary. And I helped launch the Decono Music and Spirits Festival in August of 2006. So next year's show would be the 20th. Mm-hmm. We lost two years, so right. but it would be the 20th year since we launched that show. Is that going to keep going? That I can't tell you. Uh, I'm not the uh, principal decision maker in that deal. That's the city council for the city of Decono. Okay. So I know you hate podcasts. And I think <laughs> I don't hate them. I just don't <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> and I think you also hate uh, lists, you know, which there's so many lists out there, and and um, you know, you know, the best this, the worst this. Hey, and... I build my own every year, so I'm not opposed. That's to true. You do that at all. I build my own every. I've been doing it for almost 15 years now. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, about your legacy in this area and about your uh, lifetime lifetime of achievement. And first I'm going to ask you to list me your five albums that you would take to a remote Colorado cabin in the event of a zombie apocalypse. That's a great question. And it's been torturing me for 24 (laughs) hours. Thank you kindly, Mr. Perry. Um, So I went back in time. <clears throat> because I can't give you a list of five albums I would take to a deserted island, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that were the case, I think I would probably do what most of us do, and I would zone in on those records that, from childhood up to the mid-20s, were instrumental. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start with 1959. Because the first record I can remember hearing was in Alaska on my dad's hi-fi. He sold uh, audio equipment. He sold hi-fi stereo gear besides owning a jazz club. Um, I'm out, Dave Brubeck. Oh, nice. And I had the pleasure of finally seeing Dave with Jerry Mulligan and Paul Desmond um, as part of the quintet, like 1976, I think, somewhere around there. Those are some all-stars um, right there. It was Jack Dawson, Alan Six. I mean, it was it was, you know, quite the record. So number one, 1959, Time Out, Dave Brubeck. Number two was the first album that my grandmother ever bought for me look at my notes here remember the year that it came out it was 1967 i was 12 years old we were at a department store and i walked down the stairs and i'm looking at the records and there was this 3d cover on this record by a band called the rolling stones their satanic majesty's request that's a weird fucking album with a weird cover, you know. <laughs> I just listened to it again today. <laughs> I was like, okay, that fits. I think I have now the, we're gonna jump up, huh? I think I have the original right here. It's got a hologram on the cover, and yeah, yeah. I mean, um, it's a weird record, but it's also got uh, surprisingly like uh, uh, these beautiful pop hits on it. You know, oh, it, yeah, 
Great record. Um, and then it's got this sort of <clears throat> uh, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, weird dark shit on it as well. I mean, right. it's it's such an outlier as a Rolling Stones record because it's not it's not a rock and roll album exactly. No, it's there's so no blues weird. on it at all. Right. It's not a blues record. There's none of Graham Parsons' influence in there for Sticky Fingers. There's you know none mm-hmm. of that in there. Just completely, it's a it's an outlier in their catalog. It really is, mm-hmm. you know. And I think it was right before Brian Jones died. I remember in my music history. Yeah, I think yeah. he died in '68. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from there we jump up to um, 1974. And I was in the Air Force when the first average white band record came out. Almost every song on that record is now included in Claire's and mine, my, my um, cartoons playlist that we spin when we're out on the road traveling. What are some of the um, songs on that? Work to do, of course, pick up the pieces. Um, what else was in there? Uh, they did a, oh God. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of the names of the songs on the album, but uh, I'm just going to move this over here. and I'm going to go over here. I'm going to actually, because I did this earlier today, WB. I'm going to go here. It's like their number one. Oh, person to person, got the love, work to do. Um, You got it. I mean, just every song on there Mm -hmm. was just uh, work to do was an Isley Brothers tune. Yeah. I don't think the average white band is a a group that many people uh, listen to anymore. And so... I'm going to, there's a playlist on Spotify from Mile High Stash by year. And I always put one song from each album choice on there. So I'll throw some average white band on there so people can check that out. I would think that average white bands catalog, I don't know of a funk band of any legitimacy in our region Mm. who hasn't covered either Mm. Cut the Cake from their second album or uh, Pick Up the Pieces from their first album. I'm sure Dave Watts knows all about the the average white. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My son's band does cut the cake. Nice. I'm like, wow. You know, he's all about the funk. So, um, and that same time period, it was in early 1975. I walked in. I uh, I was about. I got out of the Air Force in April 1975, so this had to have been in March or February. And I walked into a house party in Minot, North Dakota, where I was stationed. You walk through the back door of the house. It's a curtain. You had to knock a certain way. You walked in. There was a bowl of joints right there. Now we're talking 1974, Minot, North Dakota, okay? Mm-hmm. 1975. So there's this bowl of joints. So you grabbed a joint and you went in the living room. Typical mid-1970s, you know, lava lamps, beanbag chairs, and there was a song on the stereo, and I stopped dead in my tracks, and I went, what the fuck is that? It was Bump Bounce Boogie off the Texas Gold album by Asleep at the Wheel. Oh, yeah, yeah. When we first met, you were sitting on a stool in a bar downtown, just trying to be cool. I'm still a rabid fan. If I if I could find a band that could play that kind of stuff, I'd probably love to play Ray Benson in that show because we had the same vocal range. Yeah, you know, I would love to do that. But that solidified my love of of Texas swing, mm-hmm. country swing, and country music in general. That's kind of yeah. the nucleus. That's kind of the the kickoff point for me in terms of my love of country music because it wasn't allowed to be played in my house as a kid. Sounds like you were in a um, jazz household. Jazz and classical. And yeah. my the very first concert I ever went to that my mom took me to was the Fifth Dimension and the Temptations. Nice. I bet that was a blast. So, yeah, 1969. Um, it was my graduation present from eighth grade. And she took me to a, a place in Bridgeport, Connecticut to see that show. And 
other than country, that's my favorite style of music and one that I would actually go on and play with uh, Vicky Sue Robinson uh, and uh, Roger Ball from Average White Band at a small club in Connecticut. But they, um, yeah, I love that stuff. And then in 1975, Gratitude, um, Earth, Wind and Fire, the double, nice, the double album. So let's say you're stuck in this cabin and it's only you and you're up in like ward or something and there's zombies all around. Uh, this is the music that would warm your heart, make you feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. It would make me feel safe. Yeah. You're not sick of it. No, because there are songs on those records that I will include in a personal playlist. If I'm going to hit the road, mm. you know, Claire and I travel pretty extensively by car. We've driven 80,000 miles in three years. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of miles on my BMW. Um, they, uh, all of those acts, all of those albums are represented, other than their Satanic Majesty's Request. That was kind of a, that was kind of a little personal thing in there with my grandmother, my late grandmother. Have you ever heard Kiss's version of 2000 Man? I wouldn't listen to Kiss if you paid me. <laughs> fair enough but i like it i think it's a pretty good version of the song i saw them in concert there were 500 people at the show uh in minot north dakota right after hotter than hell came out yeah i bought dress to kill to listen to on my way home to connecticut from north dakota uh i didn't even get out of north dakota and it went flying out the window of my car and i have never listened to kiss ever since you like what you like you know yeah <laughs> life is too short to listen to stuff that you don't like you know yeah that's true yeah that, that's really and the older i get the more i realize that yeah and i like a lot of new music don't get me wrong i, I mean claire and i both we just got back from a family vacation about 12 of us we were in north carolina and i built a playlist specifically for these people who ranged in age from 82 down to 40 and I had to pick a music from each generation. Hmm. And half of the total playlist that was 72 hours long, half of that were was our collection of cartoons that we've been building for six years now. Yeah. And I'm guessing there was a no lot of new music. People going, what is this? You know, in the meantime, we're listening to Bobby D and Bobby Darren and yeah. 50s rock and roll and, you know, that sort of thing. So it was, you know, you're absolutely right. The older we get, the more we're inclined to zone in on, you know, Particularly, I think it's true that people's musical habits are created between the ages of 12 and 24. Yeah. And in my career, I've come to realize and appreciate that fact, even though I rail against it because of who I am and, and what I and what I bring to the table as a, as a radio personality, mm -hmm. as a programmer, which is all based on pretty much on, you know, sharing new music with people yeah and you do a great job of that i mean there have been a lot of Thanks. songs on your show and then on your list that you post that um open me up to new stuff Thanks, so keep man. keep doing it yeah three more years two yeah. and a half more years yeah well i'll just send you an email <laughs> once a year and i'll say what's your what's your what's your list what's your list yeah <laughs> there you go okay so lifetime achievement award celebrating yeah. a person or group who has contributed immensely to the Colorado music community. What does that mean to you? I don't know. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm incredibly honored that um, my friends at the Colorado Sound even told me they were going to do that. That was completely out of I, I almost I giggled a little bit I mm -hmm. kind of shined Margo on I went yeah okay whatever she's like no whatever you're going to be there mm -hmm. okay um it's been the work that I've done since the turn of the century that has mattered the most to me I had a conversation several years ago so the show's been on the air for 17 years this is the 17th season about three years into the show, 
I wanted to know about syndication. So I called people at NPR and at uh, Minnesota Public Radio and, and PRI and just to kind of get a feel for things. And the thing that I was told was that music programs are not what is viable, hmm. that it had to be informational, that it had to be historical or relevant. And I thought, well, here it is. I'm doing a show about Colorado music. I've got a couple of stations that are airing the show. I went out and I found 12 stations to air it that cover 45 FM frequencies in our state. Um, and then I started the blog and started building the story about Colorado music that kind of lays hand in hand with what G Brown has done over the years. I mean, his book, his first book was my Bible. I've worn through three copies of it. I've dog-eared it to death. Uh, I still tell stories out of his books. And then what Chuck did in, in building the hall of fame, mm -hmm. um, and what Karen is doing to continue to elevate it. I just wanted to be a part of it. I just, you know, I never had what it took to elevate myself as a musician. The reason that I started DJing was that I didn't have the chops to be Eric Clapton. Mm -hmm. And so if I couldn't play the music on stage, I could spin the music on radio and in clubs. And I'm still in that place today. And for me, the greatest joy and the greatest accomplishment in my life has been telling the story of Colorado music on the radio. Mm -hmm. And so for that, I'm tremendously grateful. Um, and then in the early uh, 03, uh, I was invited to MC uh, a People's Fair audition event. Mm -hmm. And from there, they dragged me into being a stage manager, you know, and then became part of the steering committee. And, and then right after that, I think it was in 06 that I got a call from an old friend of mine. And we they invited me to be a part of the original lineup of people putting on the Bohemian Nights at New West Fest. Mm -hmm. It was joked at one time by one of the execs that when that when I when we got done with that show, they were going to put an imprint on Mountain Avenue under where the main stage is. It says, here lies Goat, the Dick Clark of Colorado music. Yeah. <laughs> That's my proudest achievement to be considered the Dick Clark of Colorado music. One of my questions I wanted to ask is, you know, when you're no longer on the air, um, what do you want to be? remembered as but i got the answer the dick clark of colorado, colorado music. music yeah well you probably saw a lot of dick clark growing up i did you know yeah i did yeah, yeah. he was uh he was a hero to me yeah in, 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 all throughout his entire career i always admired dick clark and what he brought to the table and how he elevated popular music yeah big big fan what about casey Kasem? Casey, not so much. Not so much. <laughs> um, not so much. Uh, Casey's cool. Casey had that top 40. Hi, boys and girls. Yeah. Let's rock and roll and get the show on the road. He had yeah. that kind of vibe, you know, and I was like, ah, Casey, come on, man. Your top 10 list, that's all cool and shit, but you don't have the legacy that Dick has. He, you know, he's, you know, yeah. he is the, the goat. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. And, um, you know, thank you so much for the the imprint you've made on this whole area and Absolutely. in so many ways and when you were talking about not not being eric clapton um you know um well first of all it's turned out eric clapton's kind of an asshole so i'm glad that you're not eric clapton, <laughs> so, so that's good but i listen one of my first five yeah. albums two of them were cream albums so yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. was I was a complete Eric Clapton nerd up until the mid 80s. Yeah. I was thinking about uh, um a friend of mine in in San Francisco. He's a great baseball player and he got a scholarship to play baseball in college and he realized he wasn't going to be in the majors. He could probably hack it in the minors and 
ride buses and all that. And he just essentially said, if I know that I'm not going to be one of the best, I don't even want to be involved with baseball, with this, this world, because it would only bring me down sort of. And so I think it's great for people like me and you who might not be world-class musicians. You know, I think we're good. I mean, you're also a great songwriter and singer. I'm just a drummer. But um, the fact that you still said, this is the world I want to live in and I want to be a music lifer and have an effect. I mean, that is so amazing. We're all grateful that you did. My father said something very profound to me. He quit playing music in 1965 and never returned to it. Never. Yeah. Um, in 1969, 1970, I was, when I was 14, 15 years, I must've been 15. So 1970, I said to he, I said to him and my mom, I was like, I want to be a musician the rest of my life. It's what I want to do. My dad said, learn how to be a dishwasher first. Mm -hmm. I took that to heart. Yeah. And uh, to this day, um, you know, it's amazing, really, Adam, when you look at the broad view of Colorado music. Very, the, 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 the number of people throughout time who could have risen to this kind of level mm. are so few. It's so few. And when you look at it today in terms of the, the vastness of music, yeah. just here in Colorado alone, you realize what it truly takes to in in terms of dedication to craft and dedication to business and, and just sheer audacity to get to a point like Diane Reeves or Philip Bailey or Rick Roberts or Nathaniel Rateliff mm -hmm. or any of those names that have risen to the pinnacle of national or international or award popularity i compare it to football which is my my greatest love in sports um if you're going to excel if you're going to be one of the 53 on a team the the dedication to that is is astronomical it's, a, it's inconceivable to the to the average ninth grader out there today Mm -hmm. virtually none of whom almost none of whom will ever even make it to college playing football let alone to the nfl same thing with music um and that's not taking anything away from any of yours and my friends or mm -hmm. or anybody we've played with in our lifetime i had an amazing young man 15 year old fiddle and mandolin player by the name of jackson earls blew my fucking mind he was so good at 15 and was in my band and is now studying avant-garde shit in new york city at 20 years old you know um that's rare mm -hmm. that's fucking rare and i look at the successes like gregory and daniel rodriguez who's having a, a tremendously you know really good uh career right now you know mm -hmm. I, I look at uh, our friends in elephant revival and, and i look at and i'm glad to see nate coming back with the yoppers so happy for him yeah um, so so happy for him you know so chris daniels who's been one of my most loved best friends for so many years now and they're embarking on their 40th anniversary next year wow really 40 years wow you know 1984 is when that band started and he pre he predates them going back to when he moved to colorado in the 70s you know yeah the, the dedication and and the effort and and um, there was a jazz guitarist um bardhoff said to me once i practice eight hours a day and i looked at him with an astonished look on my face he said that's what it takes to be a pro chris <laughs> so my life is dedicated to what i do yeah and i literally sit in front of this workstation more hours a week than most people work yeah yeah listening to the music from our state which brings me the greatest joy of my entire entire life yeah my entire life mm. thank you so much for what you do and your passion you know and 
your grumpiness and your pickiness. <laughs> Thank you for all that too. Um, I have one last question. Who sure. are a few people who you think might be deserving of this award in, in the future? Greta Cornett. Yeah, yeah. Chuck Morris. Mm -hmm. Don Strasberg. The Don. The Don. Mm -hmm. um, Pat Stryker. Wow. Yeah. Probably near the top of the list for me. Um, Danny. Mishawaka Danny. Yeah, Danny Grant. Danny mm -hmm. Grant. Um, those are those are five names that I would put right smack at the top of my heroes list. My the people I most admire. Yeah. Well, they all admire you as well. So, you know, thank you so much for talking with me and for giving me your five albums, even though um, I know it frustrates you that, you know, like if you really had a crank power to Victrola, probably these new like 180 gram records maybe they wouldn't play on it you know all that i don't do vinyl brother <laughs> i don't do vinyl <laughs> but you know thank no, you i feel you i feel you but I, it made me think about what were my what mm -hmm. if i was gonna if if the world went to shit in a handbasket what would i take with me i would want those specific memories to go yeah. with me yeah those would be the memories i'd most want and the song that i would listen to the most is the extended version of Reasons on the Gratitude album. Okay, well, I'll put that on the playlist, on the Spotify playlist for Mile High Stash. There I'll you put go. that song on there. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking with me and enjoy the rest of your day. And I hope to Thanks, see you man. around very soon. All right, buddy, later. Peace. I'll give you another hour and I gotta run, I gotta fly away, leave you to fall. That was Chris K, a.k.a. Chris Kresge, a.k.a. Goat, a.k.a. The Grumpy Old Goat. Um, I love that guy, and I was really happy to uh, get to know him um, even more and, and to share that with you guys. Um, I also love fall in Colorado, and you know what else I love? The Gold Hill Inn, especially in the fall. I will be playing the drums with Rolling Harvest, at the Gold Hill Inn on Friday the 13th, which is Friday, October 13th, and hope to see you there. I will also see you right here next Monday, as usual, too, for another episode of Mile High Stash. Ciao. I want to go back to Montreal. Thank you.